Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. It is Tuesday when we are recording this, uh, taking our time to record um, the latest episode. And it's been an eventful weekend, I mm. think it's fair to say, Callum. Yeah, Glenn, any, any reason why we can um, record it earlier? Anything happening in your personal life, maybe that you want to inform <laughs> the viewers and listeners of? Well, uh, you know, since you've had COVID a couple of times, I thought it would might as well be high time I took my share of of the uh, positive diagnosis. So yeah, I've just been been dealing with that. So Paw Patrol's on in the background to keep the two year old half in, give us time to to record this at, at lunchtime. Yeah, not so smart. Those Gordon's fees not paying off. Eh? Still managed to catch the Rona. Yeah, but the Gordon's education, as you rightly pointed out, was most Gordon's things I, I said was when I spotted my maths teacher in Munich claiming he was scouting for a school, a hockey trip in future as, as part of the, the Josh Walker interview. Many of you have checked that out. If you have not, make sure you uh, go back and look at, at that in, in the archives and, and stay tuned uh, as coming up in a few weeks' time, we have a, a chat with former Aberdeen defender Lee Mayer speaking about his time at the club and also he'll also have his memories on that Bayern Munich game as well. If you're subscribed, um, put that notifications button on as well so you'll get notified of its immediate release. And also, I suppose we should also say, Calm at the start, thank you to those of you that have subscribed over the weekend because we have gone over 750 subscribers uh, over on YouTube. Um, let's see if we can get to 800 before the end of the season. Maybe the end of March, who knows? That'll be some going, but no, as, as Glenn says, thank you very much uh, for everyone. Just two speculators that ramble our way uh, an hour or so every week. Um, and people seem to enjoy it one way or another, whether they're laughing at us or, or actually taking in our football um, opinions. But regardless, thank you very much. And uh, Long may it continue, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was always a, a light-hearted look back at the weekend's action or look forward to what's going on with sometimes some very much ramblings and discontent. But yeah, as you said, obviously with catching COVID at the weekend, we were going to hopefully get an episode out to react to the news that Jim Goodwin has been appointed manager, but we didn't want to half-arse anything. So we're just going to include it in our review of the game as well. So Callum, Jim Goodwin was the man that beat off Jack Ross, if that's what you want to, if you want to believe the, the paper talk, to be appointed Aberdeen manager on a two and a half year deal. What was your immediate thoughts at the news? Um, immediately, I just got quite excited just because that's what I, they could have appointed anyone. They could have appointed you and I'd have been buzzing. Uh, <laughs> but but um, in terms of sort of the shortlist that we'd seen uh, sort of the bookies favourite none of the names linked really did excite me too much and he was one of the few where I thought I, I would probably take and he's come in and uh, immediately started sort of saying the right things and he seems to be almost galvanising us a little bit and it's not doesn't seem to just be sound bites he seems, sounds like a man that'll take absolutely no shit whatsoever um, which I think given the way this season has gone is certainly needed yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's only room for one beautiful bearded man in Aberdeen, though. So Jim's got a bit of competition now, or I should say, I've got a bit of competition. But um, I, I suppose the Gile's back as well, uh, made famous by Derek McInnes. Mm -hmm. But certainly the the female fans, I'm sure, are, are delighted at, at the appointment of Jim Goodwin. But yeah, you're right. You know, he's saying the right things, but. Um, you know, someone that listens to this podcast regularly, Jonathan Main, made a good point on Twitter over the weekend. It's all well and good him saying the right things, mm. 
but it's what he does on the pitch that ultimately he'll be judged on. And I think it's actually a really good point because it was something that we kind of discussed in the you know immediate uh, reaction to Stephen Glass being sacked was that you know from what Dave Cormack was saying and Stephen Glass was saying when he was appointed there was a lot of right sounds coming in that the fans were lapping up and and buying into and you know Jim Goodwin had those kind of sound bites post match um, of the weekend's one one draw with Motherwell where he said you know as as long as the deal was done he wanted to be on the the touchline he didn't want to take the the easy way out and you know he was identifying areas of concern and you know I think it's quite clear that the that players are going to have to step up um, mm-hmm. or or you know step out uh, if you want. And yet, you know, he is saying the right things, but, you know, I, I do agree with Jonathan because it's quite easy for us to, you know, on this podcast to, to take those sound bites and, and run with them mm. and, and get carried away. But I, I do think you have to have that bit of perspective. You know, we, we do also need to see the results coming on the pitch as well. Oh, yeah, certainly as uh, the dogs getting their input in the background. I apologise <laughs> yeah. for that. Not sure could do about that. That's just uh, the joys. Um I, I certainly do agree in terms of we'll all need to see things on the result on the pitch because we do often see uh well we we heard those kind of things from from Mr. Glass uh, as well. But what that one thing that does strike me is the fact he was straight into the dugout. Uh, I do respect respect that quite a lot in terms of um it's just immediately not shirking away from things and trying to do whatever he can, having only had 15 minutes the night before, uh, 15 minutes in the day of video analysing and getting straight in and uh, involved. And of course, we've got the most handsome manager in the league now, which so if even, if, even if we finish at the bottom six, uh, then we can at least, you know, take that. Um, and he was someone that we saw, I would have been quite happy with when Glass went, uh, when McInnes went and before we got Stephen yeah. Glass. It's someone we talked about then and I certainly would have been happy then and whenever he did his interviews with St Mirren um, I, I thought he came across very well obviously he's got some good results against us um, certainly recently as two I, I, overall I think I'm pretty happy and I think as a consensus people will probably start to get behind him and hopefully it's more of a long term thing because with Glass it was you know just the one year deal rolling contract yeah. and we thought when given the way things were going it's probably bound to end whereas if we can get someone who's here for the long term um, hopefully you know the fans off the park will buy into that as well and hopefully the players on the pitch too Yeah and I suppose do you feel the fact that it is a two and a half year deal signifies there's some faith uh, obviously in, in Jim Goodwin or potentially the fact that Stephen Glass was on a, a rolling contract, maybe there was obviously that maybe a bit of doubt in, in Dave Cormack's mind that things might not work out. But yeah, I think, that, you know, obviously the fact that he's shown that intent to come in and and get to work straight away and because he, he quite easily could have left Barry Robson to, to take charge on Saturday, but he didn't. He got himself in and, you know, it was great to see that the passion, the shouting from the touchline, which, you know, I think... People may, may say fair say has been lacking in recent weeks. I don't think Stephen Glass was certainly the most vocal manager on on the sidelines, and I think it was very clear that Jim Goodwin is, is certainly going to make himself make himself heard. But I think it does show good faith in, in the manager giving him that that set set contract. And I, I do also kind of agree that maybe he is coming to the club's eleven months too late. Um, probably would have been a manager that many of us, you know. People might say that they were underwhelmed by the list that was shown now after after Stephen Glass, but I'm sure had he been appointed 
when Stephen Glass was, I don't know if there would have been as many complaints. Uh, probably not. Um, yeah, I, I was certainly underwhelmed probably by that that bookie's shortlist, but um, well, what certainly when we went went through in our in our live anyway. But he was sort of one of the few that maybe stuck out for me. Ronnie Dyla was another one that I would have absolutely, absolutely taken. But in terms of the two and a half year deal, I think it gives a bit of stability not only you know for for Jim Goodwin, uh, the club know where they're at with it, the players know that he's intending to be here for the long run, uh, the fans too as well. It's just a little bit, a little bit more security in terms of where the club are going to be at over the next uh, two and a half years and. Ideally, he'll be here even even beyond that, but obviously very early days just now. Um, however, I know we'll come on to it. He's already got a better result uh, against Motherwell this season than Glass had uh, in three attempts, and he only spent 30 minutes with the team. So hopefully things are on the up with Jim Goodwin, or Jim Good score draw, if you will. Yeah, shout out Daniel Forbes. But no, you're right. Um, Jim Goodwin did get that that draw at the weekend for his third straight draw, I think it is, with Motherwell this season. But as you said, better than the results we've done so far uh, against Motherwell. But if we if we look what he's done previously uh, as a manager, you know, he gained promotion w- with Alloa and then kept them up the following season in the championship, albeit being a, a party part-time side. The hell spit it out. You can tell this episode's going well, seamless mm-hmm. as ever. Um, but, you know, 129 games in charge. Some of that was obviously player manager as well, coming away with a 39.5% win percentage. You know, f- w- winning 51 of those games. And even at, at St Mirren in, in his spell there from, from June 19 to February 2022, 119 games in charge, winning 39 drawing 39 and only losing 41. So it's kind of very level playing field at 32.77 win percentage. You know, he, you know, he might, it might not seem to, you know, fans of other clubs, but he does seem to, you know, grind out results where, mm-hmm. where, where he's managing. Well, I think he said uh, he needs to make us uh, hard to beat. And I think it's clear he can do, he can do that at his other sides too. And mm-hmm. um, certainly our defense has been a cause for concern. Uh, I think that's putting it lightly. Put it politely. <laughs> yeah, so far, so far this season. So hopefully, um, well, he'll be able to kick on and do that. And he said, I think he said something like, "It shouldn't take more than a week for him to make us uh, hard to beat." Which I don't know if he's watched us so far this season. And <laughs> um, it might take a little bit more than that, but he seems to think that is the easy side of thing. It's more the top end, um, which will be slightly more of a difficult, uh, a difficulty, but. Regardless, if we can tighten things uh, up at the back, I think we will. Well, we'll, we'll certainly um, hit a better run of form than we have been on um, so far. And also, it's coming in straight away and changing the system too. Uh, something interesting going to four three three. Yeah, and well, we'll 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 get into the the game itself then at, at the weekend, Calman. And it was at four three three. There was three changes. Uh, to the starting eleven that Barry Robson named in midweek, uh, Vicente Bazawin coming in for for Matty Kennedy, uh, Adam Montgomery and Ross McCrory also coming in to replace Scott Brown and Jack McKenzie. Great to see uh, Ross McCrory back because uh, mm-hmm. certainly when he uh, hobbled off uh, at Motherwell the previous week, uh, I did fear that we would not be seeing Ross McCrory for a good while, and uh, no no surprises to see Scott Brown um, out. Uh, you know. There was obviously the, the debate if that's him touting himself for the St Mirren manager, of course. It looks set to be the case that Stephen Robinson uh, 
will take that job and what remains now for Scott Brown's future at Aberdeen is maybe uncertain. I know Jim Goodwin wants to have him on his coaching staff. Um, and yeah, Adam Montgomery, a player we've kind of been critical of uh, in mm-hmm. recent weeks. I was actually quite impressed with Callum. Certainly, uh, from from the patches that I've seen, uh, he, he looks confident uh, on the ball, obviously, then eventually got an assist for uh, VB10, as you called him, uh, our little muscle boy, uh, which he put the ball across very well. My dad has said, well, finally, actually properly played the ball across instead of cutting it back to the edge of the box where there's no one there. So <laughs> thanks very much for your uh, input, Neil. And obviously, I was delighted to see Ross McCrory start when he saw him, um, you know, um, wondering about in the snow with Vicente Berserwin. Um, <laughs> he thought maybe that's a sign for encouragement. I'd like to think of the idea that Jim Goodwin turned up on Friday. There was just no one there because no one would be able to get to training uh, because of the snow. Um, but no, yeah, those changes came in and McCrory playing in that sort of holding midfield role. Um, I don't know. I quite like him in there, but then at the same time, when he plays there, then you've got Gallagher and Bates at the back and then I feel like you're missing something there, but with him in the midfield, there's a little bit more drive. It's a catch-22. It's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, Calum, it's an interesting one because McCrory, who's you know probably up there for player of the year alongside Christian Ramirez, he's performed well at, at centre-back. And you know on Saturday, he was put into a maybe unfamiliar position in terms of this season, maybe somewhere he's more familiar with in terms of his actual career. But he didn't look out of place. He never does, to be fair. Uh, no matter no matter where you do put him, but um, certainly encouraging. Uh, I suppose in terms of in terms of his performance, his versatility. Uh, once again, clear to see. Um, but then maybe we do miss him uh, being in the back four, and it'll be interesting to see where Goodwin decides to sort of use him uh, in, in terms of going forward, I suppose, because I, I guess with Brown, as you mentioned, if he comes back in and he's in Jim Goodwin's plans, where does McCrory then uh, fit in? That'll probably be another factor. Yeah, and I suppose maybe, you know, we'll, we'll maybe come on to it in a little bit, but the performances of, of Declan Gallagher have certainly, you know, come with a few question marks as well. And, you know, we did ask people on our Twitter account at RTG underscore podcast to, to submit their questions for, for topics that they wanted us to, to discuss on this latest episode. And, and one of that was um, from at BooBoo1903, and it was around Ross McCrory. And he said he feels, you know, the majority of fans see his best position as a, you know, driving force in our midfield. You know, Callum, our midfield is something that we've always discussed about whether it's, you know, weak enough or strong enough. And he says Glass obviously fancied him as a centre half. And will Jim Goodwin give him a run of games in this same position or will it, you know, be in midfield? And I think whilst you've got Bates and Gallagher, if they both remain fit, I think whilst Scott Brown's out, he's going to have to be playing in midfield. I think so for for me probably um, I'd like to see him probably given a run of games there and uh, I guess anyway and um, even if that's not going to be his permanent position just just to sort of see how he does in in, in that new in the new system under the new manager and mm-hmm. um, but as we as we've said time to time it does then raise massive concern about our defence but if Mister Goodwin thinks he can uh, sort it out in little more than a week uh, sort out our defence and make us hard to beat and make us stronger defensively then. Well, um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But 
Gallagher, there is a decent defence in there, uh, a yeah. defender in there in Gallagher, and there is a decent defender in there in David Bates. It's just too much this season. It's been too soft, which obviously we saw again this past weekend. Again, mm-hmm. emphasis on the again very much. But I think as well, if you're dropping Declan Gallagher and, and filling Ross McQuarrie back in centre-back while Scott Brown is injured, you're then probably having to play Funzo Ojo as a kind of sitting midfielder, kind of what Ross McQuarrie was on Saturday. And I don't think that's really what Funzo Ojo is best at. We've saw him, you know, probably be converted into a winger and look good in right back or right wing back mm. he's, he's filled in there. So I think trying to give him a third different position this season is probably not what he needs. Um, you know, maybe if you're wanting to bring him on as a substitute later on in the game, you, you could do that. But... I think you want to be obviously playing your best players in their their best positions, and yeah, I'm in total agreement around Gallagher and, and Bates. There are defenders in there. We just need to see a bit of consistency, and we also just need to see a bit of fight and desire. And well, time will tell. Come come kick off on Saturday if Jim Goodwin's plan of changing things within a week has has come to fruition. Yeah, I think that will be very very interesting, and it, it'll be a massive game which we we really need to to come into into fruition. Um, I would not like to see Funzo in that whole midfield role, however, come Saturday 3pm. No, no, definitely not. But in the, in the game itself at Fir Park, you, we started in a, in a positive manner, uh, pretty much as we did in, in the cup game as well. Uh, taking the game to Motherwell from the off, obviously played in much better conditions than the, the cup game a week previous. And, and Lewis Ferguson going close on a couple of occasions from free kicks, really testing, testing Liam Kelly. Um, Given, you know, Jim Goodwin had only spoken to the players briefly, as you, you mentioned early, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by the approach Aberdeen took to the game, you know, starting on the front foot, moving the ball nicely. It, it was pretty much, to be honest, the same as what we'd seen under Stephen Glass, in fairness. But there just looked to be a lot more intent. It was a lot quicker getting forward. Mm, a little bit more conviction, perhaps. I suppose the players yeah. have got... Um, a point to prove, I suppose. Jim Goodwin also said that uh, he's judging them all. They all need to um, show why they deserve a, a place there, not only players, but staff too. Um, but it, it, it's positive and it, it, we know we certainly needed to uh, start the game like that. Otherwise, Motherwell then turn it into a battle, which they, they still did to an extent. And we know that they, they're likely to come out on top in, in that um, but it, is, it was an encouraging start. Um, obviously, you know, Ferguson's free kick, Ramsey had a, a chance as well uh, to head ball back into the mix. Um, it, there's positives to take from that and hopefully then combining that with how, in terms of our attacking play uh, with Jim Goodwin's uh, defensive uh, play that he'll instill, then we might have a basis to go off so far uh, towards the back end of this season. Yeah, and definitely, and you know, with with Jim Goodwin coming in, I suppose you expect an Aberdeen team to maybe have a bit of a physic physicality about them, kind of like what Jim Goodwin did in his playing career. You know, we're, we've been speaking about Ross McCrory. I, I found it quite appropriate. He got booked after after just three minutes for a, a superb lunging tackle. But when a, when a game is refereed by Nick Walsh, you always know there's going to be some form of controversy mm-hmm. surrounding it. And I don't know, there seem to be decisions going 
every time Motherwell seemed to very much hack down um, our players. You know, the, the term hammer throwers gets banded about a lot when we come up against Motherwell. But I felt there was a lot of strong challenges Motherwell were putting in in that half that were, were going unpunished by the referee. And yet Gogsy, uh, former guest of the show, said that we'd employed the biggest hammer thrower of a manager in the league. Um, you know, which just make of that uh, what you will. But yes, we we did see a lot of strong challenges. Um, I suppose then we proceeded to put, put one in, and then we then go and get punished and uh, I suffer because of it. Which is, um, you know, it's sort of typical though. But it's Nick Walsh. I mean, I think he's just not a great referee, but. At the same time, uh, in this country, who is? I mean, <laughs> well, very, very true. You just need to take a look at the decision that Willie Collum uh, gave for the red card for Jim Goodwin's former team, St Mirren, uh, the weekend. Another shocking decision in terms of Scottish football. But before we we did take the leads in similar fashion that, that we did week prior, you know, perennial pain in our backside Kevin Van Veen was racing through on goal as Aberdeen were caught out by a, a ball over the top but Joel Lewis does really well to to come out and you know avert any danger but in the process they saw Van Veen tumble to the ground and hold his shoulder and I think most Aberdeen fans it's fair to say collectively cheered and hoped that that would have been the end of the Dutchman's presence on the pitch but he uh, became a bit of a one-armed bandit for, for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, n- nothing long term, but it would have been a great shame if he had to uh, leave the field of play at, at, at that moment. And we saw him go down and carry on. And every time, you know, camera panning in on him, uh, he seemed to be clutching that shoulder. But it didn't mm-hmm. stop him at all. Did no. It continues to cause uh, us a lot of problems, which at this point, I've got to just say, is, is quite impressive, really. Uh, I've got, got to give it to him. He seems like an absolute... Uh, bastards to play against and yeah. with one arm causing our defence yeah, yeah he seemed to continue his personal vendetta against Declan Gallagher into mm. the second half which of course we'll come on to but Aberdeen did take the lead the little muscle boy grabbed his first goal for Aberdeen and once again the play has maybe gone unnoticed but it's a brilliant ball from David Bates to, mm-hmm. to set Adam Montgomery off down the left hand side and for a player I've been you know hugely critical of on, on this show in Adam Montgomery he shows great you know great pace to get onto the ball and you know gets his head up and, and drives straight into that space and sees Bazawin in the middle and as you you know you to quote your dad, you know, puts it across the face of goal instead mm-hmm. of cutting it back into that danger area. And and Bazawan does get on the end and it, you know, kind of bundles home. It's not, you know, he's falling over as it, you know, finds its way into the back of the net. And yeah, I was, you know, really encouraged because we had, you know, sustained a bit of pressure um, mm-hmm. and rebuffed it well enough. But I felt it was probably a reward for some of the pressure that we'd been putting on Liam Kelly's goal as well. Yeah, certainly. In terms of that David Bates ball, you see in one of the angles of it, Montgomery pointing exactly where he wants it in behind. Yeah. Um, Bates executes it perfectly. And he's probably another player we've maybe been critical of at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Bates, uh, Montgomery takes it well, holds off uh, Bevis Mugabe, got, got got the pace to get in behind two. And even though Bersowin, the little, little martial boy, is falling over, he still, still couldn't miss. And uh, he seemed... Certainly to enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, obviously Motherwell um, ended up peppering our goal uh, throughout the 90th minute, um, 20 shots. But 
Yeah. At the time, I suppose probably what we deserved, maybe if not what we deserved, something what we needed. Uh, I suppose it, we didn't end up holding on to it, but it gave us some a foothold in the game, um, essentially. Yeah, it gave up, gave us a foothold in the game. gave Should have given us something to to build on. Uh, I don't really feel that we ever did build on it. Uh, kind of feel maybe we went into our shells a little bit. And as you said, you know the the stats from the game aren't exactly you know great reading. You know, you know having twenty shots rain down on your goal. But I suppose from you know a defence that have been really soft this season to just concede from one of them attempts and to come away with a point from a team that we haven't taken anything from so far this season, um, both in the league and cup, of course, uh, we should maybe be a bit encouraged by, I suppose. I think so. I think it's somewhat of an improvement, uh, I suppose, especially when, uh, I suppose we'll probably be as well speaking about it now, Christian Ramirez had a goal uh, chopped off. Uh, there mm. wasn't so many great angles, but Sportsy did manage to find another one. I think looks like it's from a, a camera in the stand, sort of maybe a video analysis from one of the clubs, and um, where the defender's uh, foot is outstretched and playing Christian Ramirez onside, uh, which just makes it even more frustrating given the amount of goals he has had chopped off, and that one actually should have stood and probably would have allowed us to go on to win the game. But regardless of that, it's it's still an improvement and that's with only half an hour uh, of the team being with Jim Goodwin. Um, hopefully we can then use that to, you know, no go and push on right now. Um, still somehow only three points off of fourth uh, with the same goal difference as Hibs in fourth as well. And yeah. um, we've got better goal difference than Livingston just behind us at Mirren, Motherwell and Dundee United too. Um, and as I said, three points off of fourth and then we'll go above the United if we go on to beat them uh, th- this weekend. It's n- it's not a bad position to be in. And now that we've got the new manager and hopefully we can, instead of just going, oh, we're, we're in touching distance of it, we can go and actually mm. grab it. That would be fantastic. Yeah, and see if we get a bit of that new manager bounce going into the weekend as well. But yeah, you're you're right that that Ramirez goal, you know, unfortunately on on Saturday the the stream that I was watching uh, didn't provide you know the best angles for for replays. Um, so it was it was difficult to see. There didn't you know really appear to be any kind of complaints, but. Um, I think Stu Stu said to me when you text from the game, he was like, it didn't look offside at all for them at at the game. Um, But yeah, just another refereeing decision going against us. But I suppose we got one on Tuesday night against St. Johnson. So, you know, that that old cliche of these things level themselves out throughout the season. But there was an interesting decision, I suppose, towards the end of the first half. Um, Johnny Hayes and um, Mark O'Hara went in for a 50-50 um, you know, I didn't really think much of it at the time, other than I actually thought Johnny Hayes was picking up a pretty serious-looking injury from the, the the tackle, and Nick Walsh should have actually blown for the original challenge. He, you know, he, he played a form of advantage, but it, the advantage nearly led to two very serious injuries for for players. And in the aftermath of the challenge, Bevis Mugabe um, came over and gave Johnny Hayes a, a, a wee slap around the lugs. Um, before Declan Gallagher had to come over and you know defuse the situation, which saw both Mugabe and Gallagher pick up bookings, it doesn't make any sense. And you've got <laughs> Mugabe raising his hand to Johnny's. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he absolutely leathered him, but yeah. regardless, within the laws of the game, you raise your hands, then you should usually be off the pitch. And then Declan Gallagher comes in, 
uh, just to sort of diffuse the situation after Agabi's done that to Johnny Hayes, who is lying on the ground as well. <laughs> like, like, yeah. He can defend himself. Yeah. Um, and he, he comes away with the booking as well, but it's just another baffling scenario uh, and baffling decision from a Scottish referee, which seems to just be happening week on week, not only in our games, but around the whole country, wherever teams are playing. Yeah, and, and like I said, the thing that annoyed me most about that situation was that I felt the original challenge that he played advantage for, obviously this was benefiting Motherwell, was it should have just been a free kick. And as soon as the kind of two players go in for that that challenge, he immediately turns to where the free kick was. So misses completely what Mugabe was doing let alone the fact that both these players are, you know, writhing on the floor in, in complete agony. It's just like, oh, and by the way, we're, we're going back here, lads. There's a free kick over here. Just just total incompetency for, from, from Nick Walsh. But, you know, I'm sure if uh, there's there's Hibs fans tuning in, they'll be telling us, well, we better get used to it because uh, she's certainly not flavour of the month at Easter Road, let alone at Pataudry based on his performance at the weekend. But Callum, you know, in the second half, we were obviously going into half-time leading. Second half came out and as expected, Motherwell would put us under pressure. And, it, you know... And we were said this before recording. I, I don't really remember us really testing Liam Kelly, but I, I certainly felt that se- second half was very much an, a, an onslaught from, from the Seal men. Certainly. Uh, the one bit that probably sticks out in my head is uh, Johnny Hayes going on the left-hand side. Bevs Mugabe tries to clear him out. Uh, mm. Misses. Hayes gets the ball across and Bissouin, um Gets gets a shot off, but it's, it's soft team, very easy for Liam Kelly, um, and then it, it certainly did seem to be um, onslaught from Motherwell, who well pro- probably got what they deserved uh, on the basis of things, but uh, just a little bit frustrating from our end, given a soft manner in which we give it away. Yeah, absolutely, and I suppose what is more frustrating is when you look at this the stats you know the, the the 20 shots that we we conceded on goal is that once again i i certainly feel the goal was unavoidable from an Aberdeen perspective because the one arm bandit in Kevin Van Veen out muscles Declan Gallagher it's you know there is a I think we're both in agreement. There is a defender in there in Declan Gallagher. We, mm. we saw how much he bullied Mitrovic in that playoff in, in Belgrade. But but Van Veen's the one that's bullying him here. And it, it's really poor. I don't really know what Bates is doing either. It doesn't really cover himself in glory either. It's just kind of flopping to the floor, trying to, to block the shot. And it's just, once again, file that under soft goal conceded by Aberdeen Football Club. I think so. I think Gallagher's probably looking for a foul, but if that was the other way around, we'd be livid if it was disallowed. Um, yeah. Certainly soft. Gallagher needs to be stronger there. Probably just stand him up rather than uh, go and try and win that header because then you've got Van Veen with his back to go. Uh, stick tight to him and try not to let him get the shot off. Um, and then maybe, maybe the other defenders are in a better uh, position to then react to it if it does happen to. Um, Julius obviously pulls off a pretty good save and mm-hmm. uh, Mark O'Hara first to, first to react and bundle home and um, yeah once again just it's it's pretty soft probably preventable maybe it's the type of goal that we will see 
becoming less frequent uh, in the weeks to come. Or certainly, I hope so as well, because it's been a long old season of them, really, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. And it seems every week we're discussing the, the same sort of feeling. But I suppose on the, the flip side of that, Callum, with how soft we have been, yes, OK, we did concede one. But again, I just felt the way that, that game then proceeded in, in going, there was only going to be one team winning the game, similar to the, the theme of the, the cup game, and that was going to be Motherwell. So I am encouraged in the sense that we did end up holding out. We didn't succumb to the, the pressure and, and we have taken what could prove to be a valuable point in the race for not only fourth place, but getting into the top six, as you, you, you've alluded to earlier about how tight the league remains. Yeah, certainly. I think although we did give away that goal, we at least come away from the game with something. I think previously we maybe maybe wouldn't have and probably would have ended up collapsing. So um, I guess that is some sort of positive. And given, as we've mentioned, how, how little time Jim Goodwin has had with the team, um, essentially none, uh, to try and implement any sort of his own style or to improve things. Um, it's encouraging them with a, with a week to prepare for Dundee United and as you say another massive game uh, against teams that team above us but not not out of reach and uh, I really found myself saying at the weekend too that given Hearts were losing we were winning I thought even Hearts might not be out of reach because they, they're liable to collapse if we can put a few <laughs> results together if anyone in that in that sort of group of five can put a decent result together Hearts probably aren't out of reach because they're not setting the world alight at all and we've got we've not lost them this season still got to play them twice too just saying third might not well, be out of reach tw- twice is obviously dependent where we well what half of the table we we finish in um, but I, I, admire, then. Come on. I, I, I admire your optimism but as I said you know we've kind of alluded to the, the comments that, that Jim Goodwin's come away with in his post-match comment at the start of the show so I'm not going to go into them too much, but his tenure does begin with a draw on the road, which does mean that Aberdeen are still without uh, a league win uh, this calendar year and also still maintains our poor, if you want to call it that, uh, away form uh, this season, but hopefully something that can be built on because our next away trip is, of course, that trip to Tyne Castle, followed mm-hmm. by a, a trip to Ibrox as well. So a nice, easy start on the road for, for Jim Goodwin. But b- before we get into the, the preview of the Dungeon United game, Calum, as, as I said earlier, we were asked folk over on our Twitter account to, to get in touch with anything that we wanted to uh, discuss for them on this show and one of the points I suppose you, you know you mentioned about Jim Goodwin getting a little bit of a, a brief spell with the team before the game on Saturday given the weather we saw <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. over the, the last few days um, in Aberdeen the, the snow of course there's been some you know questions asked about why there was not uh, one pitch or a pitch you know at least made indoor at, at Cormac Park and <clears throat> I quite like that question because I think it's quite obvious there should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I, what I took away was from Barry Robson's comments that he had 45 minutes, uh, you know, kind of a, a come down session after the St. Johnson game. And there was only going to be one more 45 minute session with the team before they, they traveled to Motherwell. Now I'm assuming that was the day that we saw the players um, running along the road in, in the snow um, whether that was them just trying to get the bus to Motherwell or, 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 or not but 
you know, if that was supposed to be training, then we only had one 45 minute session between the game on Tuesday and Saturday. So I don't know whether I should be more encouraged by the fact we took a point for that or more concerned by the fact that we, if we had a indoor facility, we'd have at least guaranteed ourselves another training session. Uh, I think I think a mix of both uh, on that <laughs> front. Um, it, is a, it is a bit bizarre. You know, we see a lot of these complexes, they do have um, indoor facilities and given, you know, we put so much in and made so much of making this new training ground, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to use the word state of the art, whether that's the case or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just a bit bizarre that they didn't put at least one in there. Um, just because they, they must know what the weather's like uh, in Aberdeen. Um, well, more so in West Hill and, and Kings yeah. Wells, that, that sort of area, Mal Strachan saying that, you know, it's got its own little microclimate. And, you know, I'm sure Rob Wicks in one of his fancy presentations he gave to, you know, us as supporters clubs was that, you know, it was in the, you know, future planning. It was like phase two of of Cormac Park and I just you know because they had the opportunity to utilise the facilities at the sports village in the time being so you know a good money saving exercise was to not prioritise it but you know classic you know funds for the stadium instead but uh, good to see that that's progressing as well as as ever but I suppose that's just big being a bit too cynical on that matter and I think you know I suppose you could say hindsight's a wonderful thing on that as well but yeah, it's not like, as you say, what are they expecting from the climate up in Aberdeen? It should have been a priority. It shouldn't have been a, a, a second option. So when you're bringing poor boys in, you know, from the States, from, from Holland, <laughs> come on, give, give them a little bit better than that. What was Danny Povara be thinking? Just coming back from a hernia operation or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't involved Yeah, and then he's running, he's running along a snow-filled dual carriageway. I'm sure that would have been a good one if he'd slipped and got injured. Exactly. Um, there's been a few questions coming in, uh, Jeff Morin and uh, Lee Seymour, um, you know, asking questions around the manager. Can he get be able to get the best out of certain players? Matty Kennedy and Jet being the, the two in particular that have been um, questioned. And I suppose on Matty Kennedy, Matty Kennedy, of course, was rumoured to potentially be going to St Mirren uh, in the summer. So I'm assuming a player that Jim Goodwin is a fan of. Um, he's obviously had some game time in recent weeks as well. You know, to quote what Lee Seymour said, "Will this be the rebirth of Matty Kennedy?" That's not something I'd like to picture ever. Uh, <laughs> in, in, I suppose it could be uh, for MK thirty three. Um, he has shown flashes of offering something a little different than what other teams, uh, other players in the team had. Uh, you know, a little bit more direct, willing to get the ball uh, crossed into the box. I certainly think, certainly think, why not? It'll, it'll be interesting. We'd mentioned, uh, I wonder what a dynamic of Bissau and uh, Barron and Kennedy would look like in behind uh, Christian Ramirez. Something, something, something I'd be interested in. And I, I think, like everyone else in this team, he'll be given a chance uh, between now and the end of the season by Jim Goodwin because whether we get into the top six qualify for Europe or not for Jim Goodwin this period these sort of 11 games are massive in terms of shaping his squad for next season too Mm. yeah absolutely and I suppose that also you know applies to the likes of J. Manuel Thomas as well you know you spoke about players that have got points to prove and you know he's probably one of the main ones that's got a point to prove under this manager will be interesting to see whether he gets some more game time 
and you know, truth there coming in and asking, should we keep Scott Brown? I suppose that's kind of the the million dollar question right now. Uh, he's been a bit, he's been a bit meh at times this season. But then we've also seen exactly why he was brought in, certainly in the games against Rangers. Which, uh, but then is that the only time we've seen why he's been brought in? Almost worth it just for that, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how he would work with Jim Goodwin, um, who obviously I think sees him as a part of his plan, something for this season anyway. Mm. Um, if he does stay around, it'll be interesting to see how much more he does sort of phase into that coaching role next season. So obviously that was under Stephen Glass that he 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 got that got that job. But will mm-hmm. Jim Goodwin see him as that? Will he want to add him to his background staff, or will he still see him as a as a key feature on the park or? Uh, as an influence uh, more in the dressing room rather than uh, on the touchline. Yeah, certainly uh, an interesting one to see what happens over the coming few weeks. But interesting is certainly going to be this weekend as Aberdeen host Dungeon United in front of former manager Sir Alex Ferguson as he returns to the North East for the unveiling of his commemorative statue, which will be unveiled outside the Richard Donald stand. There is, of course, a ceremony on Friday. I am praying to God I have two negative tests by then, so my ticket does not go to waste, if not by Friday, at least for Saturday for the game itself, because I think with the game looking set to head for a sellout column, I think it will be a special occasion off the pitch, I think maybe what happens on the pitch might be a different matter altogether. Uh, yes, quite possibly given the way things have gone this season. But you saw how much players raised their game, you know, against Rangers when they had a big crowd behind them in the second half against uh, against Celtic. It would be another chance. For example, for example, the new boys, Vicente Vesermin, coming in, seeing it's a full house, and then maybe sort of helping them realise how big a club this not only is but also can be. Uh, as well uh, and what it means to, to people um, I think that that then has has a, the way of uh, a potential to push the, push things on because if we if the players give us a reason to uh, for encouragement they come out, out in the first 10 minutes positively the fans will feed off that uh, and likewise versa, vice versa the more the fans get behind them the more the players get pushed on so it, it, it's probably a very good thing uh, for Jim Goodwin, uh, although there'll be added pressure, obviously, uh, <laughs> but it could work in our favour, uh, in my opinion. Dun- it'll be hostile for Dundee United too, I guess, potentially too. Uh, I suppose it'll be hostile for Dundee United, given, of course, the events that that happened down at, at Tannadice. Um, and I'm sure the, you know, the, the Tangerines faithful will travel in good numbers as well as they tend to do um, for this fixture. But Dungeon United, it's, a, it's going to be a totally different outfit that you know came to Pataudry on the opening league day of the season. Um, of course, with Aberdeen winning 2-0 on, on that occasion. And since then, you know, Dungeon United have quietly gone about their business this season, you know, mm-hmm. find themselves in, in fifth, as you said. A, a win on Saturday for Aberdeen would see us leapfrog them and, and go above them in the league. But, you know, since the return of uh, football after the, the winter break, Dungeon United have actually only lost... Uh, twice, I think it is. Well, certainly, they, they, yeah, twice to Jim Goodwin, actually, on the yeah. first game back, 2-1 um, at home to, to St Mirren and then a 1-0 late defeat at, at Parkhead. And, you know, in their last five games, only Rangers have been the only team to score against Dungeon United. So the, 
unlike Aberdeen, they're really keeping it tight at the back, but they're almost grinding out these 1-0, 2-0 wins. They are. It's, it's going to be a tricky encounter for, for Aberdeen. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a very different side than the one we saw uh, at Pataudry. I think uh, for a while they were almost sort of quite high-flying, and then they... Yeah. Now that you know, I think they've not won a game in five, so you might think, um, like, no, no, sorry, they've only won one in five, sorry, uh, but, yes. but, but three of those games also being draws, so and they're mm. still sitting in fifth joint, uh, with Hibs, uh, on in terms of points as well. Um, it won't be an easy game whatsoever, hence, sort of any small advantage you can get in this game, it could be massive, so the big crowd could play, uh, yeah. in, into our favor, and um. But as you say, the Jim Goodwin result against results against United has St Mirren boss uh, a sign for encouragement. But uh, I'm sure it will be a very tasty fixture, uh, if not entertaining. Yeah, just having a quick look here, and I actually do think Jim Goodwin's also unbeaten against Dungeon United this season. A nil-nil draw at Paisley in, in September, followed by that that two-one reverse um, at, at Tannadice. Uh, ending, I think it was a good 11 game uh, uh, run without a win for, for um, Jim Goodwin's men at the time. So, yeah, hopefully he can maintain his unbeaten record against uh, opposition for the second time in, in as many games for, for, for Aberdeen. And, you know, I think, Calm, the big crowd, you're, you're right. Also, the new manager bounce going into this game, they should really there should be a real feel-good factor coming off the stands. And, you know, the St. Johnson game, I know you weren't at it, but it was it was like Pataudry of old. Mm. Uh, you know, the red shed was was very muted. You know, you know, look, I'm not having a go at the mice. I, I'm in the red shed as well. But it just had a really strange feel to the game itself. Probably a game people weren't, you know, overly enamoured by it. it was freezing cold it was St Johnson those games are never exciting at the best of times but mm. it, yeah, it was just a, it was a strange one but I think Saturday will have a, a good feel about it there will be you know a reason to get behind the team obviously the, the events with, with Sir Alex Ferguson as well with him being in attendance there's, there's a display pre-match um, both in the red shed and I think the, <clears throat> the hope is obviously to have a full Richard Donaldson display as well which uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing, hopefully, as I said, in, in person. Um, but I think, Callum, obviously we're wanting the, the, the noise off the pitch to get behind the team. It's imperative that we almost continue this theme of starting on the front foot, as we saw in our previous two games against, against Motherwell. Um, slightly against St. Johnson, albeit we did concede it in the opening 10 minutes, but let's be getting out there and, and taking the game to Dungeon United and you know, keeping that momentum from the off. Certainly, I don't think we've seen that maybe enough um, this season. But in terms of not not only on the park, then as you say, that that'll get that'll galvanise the support, and then they'll continue in, in return to push on the team. Uh, but it is vital that we do get a good result from this game, and I think that is the way you do it by getting out and being positive. Um, it has all the makings of a very very good game. Um, for me, uh, in terms of the crowd, the followings, you know, the, the pre-match uh, antics, I suppose. I don't know why I said antics. It's, it's for Slatch France, Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> probably there's a bit more respect than that. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, sir, if you're tuning in. Um, yeah. But, you, you know what I mean? It has all the makings of, of a classic, um, I, I, I'm not going to say rivalry, but it has, it, there's a little bit of... Um, 
tension between the teams um, from, and certainly mm-hmm. from the, uh, what happened at Tannadice earlier in this season too. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited and everything in my body, given the way this season has gone, um, is telling me no. But um, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still looking forward to it, and weirdly confident, which you know, I'm sure I'll regret, especially on a public forum. Yeah, and I, I suppose uh, looking ahead to the the sort of team news for for the weekend, I assume Scott Brown will remain out with his hamstring injury. I'm not sure what the, the issue around Jack McKenzie is if he's just being managed, but do you expect any major changes to the team that that was named uh, against Motherwell? looking ahead to the Dungeon United game would would you be making any changes obviously you know social media is a big talking uh, talking point around Declan Gallagher's performances mm. I don't don't see him being dropped this weekend uh, if not for just totally ruining his confidence if you were to drop him on the back of that but I suppose maybe he might not be showing enough in training because I think you know that's where you know if these players can at least perform well in training to show Jim Goodwin they're they're ready for a starting place. We will certainly see that come Saturday. I yeah I personally wouldn't expect um, any changes. I think you're right on Galga certainly until um, Devlin or Considine are are fit if if they are ever fit <laughs> this season and then. Uh, Galgo keeps place with Brown out obviously as well um, and I think I suppose a, a run of games might actually do his confidence quite well under a new manager who seems confident that he can iron out the issues at the back and in terms of you know further up the field I'd be very happy to see you know Connor Barron keep his place Montgomery's just come off an assist and an okay performance too um, you know Lewis Ferguson the sermon grabbing his goal uh, Ramirez, although he had his goal chopped off once again, we have no one else to turn to. But he still found the back <laughs> of the net, uh, regardless. Um, for me, I can't, I can't envisage too many changes uh, uh, for this one. And uh, I'd like to see him stick with that team a little bit of consistency as well. And um, yeah, that, that, I'd like to see it stick with that for me. And then there is sort of some some options off the bench. That's not too carried away, but some. Yeah, I suppose I think we're also benefiting Lewis Ferguson playing a bit further up top. Mm. Um, you know, getting up in support of Christian Ramirez, obviously Bissau. And I, I suppose people are be like, "Oh, you've been very critical of him, and you haven't given him enough praise." Yeah, you know, he, he, he took his goal well, but again, I still feel in, in large parts he is maybe quiet. But I'm hoping that the goal that he scored at, at the weekend is going to give him confidence going forward he's now got that under his belt there's maybe that on his mind you know that when he's coming into a team like Aberdeen that that pressure to, to kind of get off the mark and up and running and now that he's got that weight off his shoulders we'll start to see the the best the best from him as well but I suppose you know like yeah you said like looking towards the the bench we obviously saw Conor McLennan return for the first time in a while off the bench at the weekend there's obviously still some other players that are maybe like pushing for their chance to to show the manager what they're worth. I'm, I'm thinking the likes of Dylan McGeek as well. If we are wanting to, you know, I suppose take Gallagher out of the team and move McCrory into centre back, you you could look at the likes of Dylan McGeek coming in to, to fill in there. But I think you you want to keep the sort of same core of the team as we've had in recent weeks and really drive on on with them. I think certainly. Um... 
uh, it's some sort of consistency that we'll probably have to create because uh, we've not had it a lot this season through players not playing from bad results, injuries, etc. etc. It would be nice to have a little bit of consistency going into this game uh, against Dundee United. And I don't know, I just have a good feeling about uh, about this. I don't know. I don't know. As I, I, if you got ahead of myself and said we're going to finish third of this episode, Glenn, I've lost the plot. <laughs> Yeah, you really have. And I suppose the one thing that we can fully expect from this weekend is Callum Butcher to to pick up a booking, oh, yeah. if if not. Um, <clears throat> but I suppose, you know, Dungeon United do possess a lot of threats in that midfield. You know, Dylan Levitt, the on-loan uh, midfielder from Man United, who's impressed. Ian Hart's, of course, the goal scorer from the, the last game at Tandice. And of course, up front, they've got both Mark McNulty and Tony Watt. So, you know, Dungeon United do have threats across the pitch. You know, their goal scoring form may not suggest that, um, but they do have players capable of, if chances possess, them taking it. And obviously we saw at the weekend in their draw with Rangers, they also do pose a threat from set pieces. Of course, the set piece um, being where they, they scored uh, against us at Tandardice, albeit uh, we did pretty much give Hearts the freedom of Tandardice to, to, to score on that occasion. So something for us to, to be wary of, I guess. Certainly, as is always the case with Aberdeen Football Club. Um, but when you when you when you obviously see Dundee United having scored from a set piece uh, over the weekend again, I'm sure it's something that, um, given given the time Jim Goodwin has, he will at least try to do some time on in the training ground. Um, that's something that, in terms of teams that are hard to beat, you you almost never see them conceding from set pieces, and we need to we need to tighten up in that aspect for sure. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And hopefully, Calm, when we catch up next week, we are speaking about a, a positive um, outcome and a negative test result for me. That would be great all, all around. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, thank you to all of you that continue to tune in, subscribe, like, leave comments and interact with the podcast in any way, shape or form. It is really much uh, appreciated. We will, um, towards the end of March, um, be running our Player of the Year. Uh, poll to to give the red tinted glasses player of the year Um, and we are in communication with the club to try and hand over the award maybe get a sneaky little interview out of that Callum shaking his head because we know Mm. fine well what the club are going to say but you know if anyone out there wants to you know give a nudge to the the club and say this is what you want to see then you know external pressure may may be welcome in, in seeing if that that will uh, encourage anything like that but do stay tuned to that for for the voting in the the red tinted glasses player of the year awards 100% can't see it happening uh, but it's worth a try anyway uh, yeah. and also whilst before we round things up I'll we'll remind you that we had some issues with the Josh Walker podcast but that is now out it's working you've got it's the full thing so be sure to check that out the link will be on the end screen uh, of this video as well and if you're listening in uh, you've probably already listened to it so thanks I hope you enjoyed it yeah and if you are listening to the first time and haven't checked out be sure to check it back and there's also of course other former player interviews as well if you are around for the first time we've got Richie Byrne Jamie Smith Chuck Grimmer Cami Smith Arnold Stavrum Steve Tosh I think I've mm. captured everybody Nikki Lowe. Oh, Nikki Lowe as well. Yes, of course. And then coming up in a few weeks' time, of course, as we mentioned earlier, is former Dungeon United player, of course, appropriate mention around this episode as well. Lee Mayer will be coming out in March. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And thank you very much for tuning into this show.